Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 95, Trump Arraignment. Donald Trump has turned himself in. What are your thoughts? So I really want to say really quick, um, this is going to be a laughable moment if Donald Trump beats this. And this is not to say that I don't think that people should be held accountable. I do, but I really do think out of all the things they could get him on, I feel like this is really, this is something, this is this is really a stretch. And I really do think that this is just gonna make Democrats look worse. Like I think they feel like this is gonna give them a win. And I have this feeling that, that is, uh, that's not gonna be the case. But let's go ahead and take Karthik. Let's go ahead and bring you in. What's going on, Karthik? You are on the mic. Hey, what's up, Sabi? Well, first, when you said that song was written by Ben, I thought you were going to say Ben Dixon. Um, <laughs> That'd be funny. That but, would be very funny. Yeah, but um, anyway, in terms of uh, seriousness, um, uh, so, okay, so I didn't, so I, in terms of Donald Trump turning himself in and the, I guess, the whole trial or sham trial, I guess, um, I actually think there's a 0% chance of him going to jail. It's not just because he's rich. Obviously, you know, he has a lot of money and stuff. But I just think it, set, it would set a horrible precedent for the ruling class, you know, um, that, hey, one of their guys could go to jail. And as Nick and everyone at RBN always says, uh, the uh, uh, ruling class uh, 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 always has class solidarity. They do every time. Um, he's going to make sure that like, there's going to be people that are going to stand by him regardless, you know, but the thing is, I think some people that I've spoken to, they already see the hypocrisy. They're like, you know, why didn't they go after Bill Clinton for this? Why didn't they go after other presidents who have also had bad business dealings, et cetera? Um, there seems to be a heavy focus on paying attention to the fact that he paid a porn star. But let's all remember Bill Clinton and his relationship with Monica Lewinsky. And that was actually on the White House grounds, you know. So I think and Bill Clinton beat that. He was able to beat that. So to me, it's just I think I really do think this is going to blow up in the Democrat Party's like face. I don't think this is going to go the way that they think it's going to go. And I think it just makes them look worse, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and, like, you don't even need to go that far. Just, like, I, I know recently, like, Andrew Tate was arrested for, like, some, like, uh, I think rape or something. And obviously, you know, I don't have any love for Andrew Tate, but obviously many uh, similar, like, other politicians were have been accused of, you know, doing similar things um, that Andrew Tate was accused of. So it's, yeah, you, you don't even need to go that far. And in terms of... Uh, political, I guess, motivations. Like, I, I guess, I, I guess I'm not exactly sure. I, I guess this is theoretically used for, um, to, the, like, hopefully weaken him so that he doesn't win the, like, uh, uh, general election. Like, w well, what are your, well, what do you think are the, uh, political motivations and, or at least, like, end goals for this, uh, you know, theoretical prosecution? I think the end goal is to make it so that Donald Trump can't run for president again. I really, I think they're really going to try to find a way to prevent him from even being on that stage come 2024. And I think this is their way to go about doing it because honestly, let's pretend that Donald Trump never ran for president in the first place. 
would they be, you know, going after his business dealings? Would they, would they have done that? I mean, these things go back years, you know, so would, would they have done that? Or let's say that Donald Trump decided not to announce he was running for president in 2024. Would they be doing this right now? Or let's pretend that Donald Trump wasn't the president that he was in 2016. Let's pretend he was the type of president that was a little bit more careful with his language and wasn't as crass. Would they go after his business dealings in in that situation? And and I have to say, I, I don't think so. I really do think the sole purpose of them doing this is to make it so that Donald Trump can never be president in this country again. And they know that considering how the economy is or has been since Joe Biden has been president, let's be real, they know that there is a strong chance that he could win again. Well, couldn't he run uh, even though he's in office? Because, I mean, even if he was in jail, I mean, uh, uh, because Eugene Debs ran from prison. Technically, he can. But the thing is, is they really they believe that that will hurt his chances of actually winning, especially if he can't be on that debate stage. Right. So but what the Democratic Party refuses to accept is the fact that when you paint someone in such a light, even if they are one of the most repulsive individuals in the country, it actually makes them more popular. And I've seen this happen with artists. I've seen it happen with, you know, celebrities where they were targeted. And I'll give a couple examples, but some of you in the chat may be kind of young and may not remember this. But I remember when Congress went after Snoop and Dr. Dre because of their music. I remember they went after them. Tipper Gore, who's Al Gore's wife, for those who are not aware, she is the reason why there is now a parental advisory sticker on CDs, if people still buy CDs. That was all her. She went after uh, rap music. She didn't like the, the language that was used, the profanity, et cetera. And so she came up with this idea to put that parental advisory sticker on the CD so that teenagers would not buy the CDs. But it actually had the opposite effect. Putting that sticker on the CDs actually made young people want to purchase it even more because you were telling them this is something that's bad and you should not listen to it. It's just like telling a teenager you should never smoke weed because it's bad or whatever, right? Well, then that just makes them more curious. Then they want to really hear what is this CD all about? What are Snoop and Dr. Dre talking about, right? Uh, Same thing with, um, uh, who was it? Two Live Crew. Another artist, same thing. Like they went after them as well. They said, your your music is vulgar. But the thing is, is like you don't have to listen to it, right? The point that I'm trying to make is that going after those people, and we can add Eminem to that, that mix too, because they went after Eminem too. That actually increased their popularity. Even if you feel that what they were saying was wrong or inappropriate, that did not stop people from purchasing that their music that actually made people want to purchase their music even more. And I think what's going to happen with this particular situation with Donald Trump, we're already seeing it in the numbers, like over it's over 74% of Republicans want 
to support Donald Trump again. That's since that's since he was indicted. So this is not hurting him in the way that they think that it would. And even some Democrats, this is the funny thing, even some Democrats have openly said, this is ridiculous. They wouldn't have done this to anyone else. They're doing it to him because again, Trump is one of those people that has no filter. He says the quiet part out loud. And that is not something that they wanted to happen on the world stage. So this is kind of their way of checking him to make sure, to come after him in any way, form that we can. And what they'll do, especially for like a DA, sometimes if they can't get you on something big, they'll try to get you on anything, any little thing, just so they can have you. And then they'll pile on all these other accounts. So if you guys notice, like we said tonight on the show, they are charging him with 34 counts. But if you actually look at the indictment release and you look at each account, it's basically the same thing about his business dealings, fraudulent business dealings. But what they did is they took each charge and made it a separate account. Why would they do that? Because it makes his case more damning. It makes him look worse in their eyes, right? So the 34 counts are not 34 separate things. The 34 counts is still fraudulent business dealings, but separate charges that have happened under Donald Trump. Yeah, well, no, I certainly want him to go to jail and like all the other presidents. And I'm sure many or if not most of the politicians in Congress are at least guilty of uh, insider trading. Um, so based on what you said about how it made the music more popular, wouldn't that mean that it'll make Trump uh, more likely to win because he's going to be seen as a victim now? Exactly. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he still continues his run, this is actually going to help him. This isn't going to hurt him because here's the thing. He doesn't need to win over Democrats. Trump won without winning over Democrats. This is where the Democratic Party has a type of flawed logic, in a sense, because they really think that having this information about him out and open in the public is going to turn away the Republican base. Based on the polls since the indictment, it's not turning away the Republican base. Over 74% support Donald Trump even after the indictment. And that also includes there are some independents that still support Donald Trump after the indictment. So that's the thing. The, for the most part, the Republican base is still going to back the Republican nominee, which most likely right now, it looks like that will be Donald Trump because he actually pulled ahead of Ron DeSantis and that was after the indictment. So they know that they know that there is a chance that he could win again. And they think by, by doing this, that that is going to prevent his chance from winning. But I actually disagree. I think it makes him look more like a victim and it makes him look like a martyr in a sense. So it's going to make his base even more riled up. And even some people who may not have even may not even be, I don't know, registered voters may look at this as like, this is some bullshit. You guys are doing all this with Donald Trump, but you didn't do anything like this with George W. Bush or with Bill Clinton. So people, some people see the hypocrisy. And I think that in itself has some people like frustrated about this. Well, yeah, this kind of reminds me of uh, Um, kind of because it seems like all the politicians are guilty of a lot of shit. 
like they can only come up with like a really like like small bullshit charge, you know. And just like at the end of Russiagate, after the uh, Mueller report, it kind of made Trump's approval ratings go higher because he was seen as a victim. Exactly. I mean, when Trump made that speech and he said that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and his base will still support him. He was correct. Yeah, well, yeah, like all the all the presidents are war criminals, but they've done all done much more than shooting someone in the middle of a street. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy things, because like I said, like, I think a lot of these presidents have some skeletons in their closet. You know, there were some things I found out about JFK that I didn't know for a long time, but I found out a couple of years ago, you know, they didn't come after JFK with this, try to expose him in this way that they, they had JF, JFK killed, right? They had him killed, but they didn't try to expose him in this, in this kind of way. He had shady dealings too. A lot of people don't want to talk about that, especially here in Massachusetts. They're like, oh no. Don't speak badly about the Kennedys, but JFK had some shady business dealings as well. Um, So this goes all the way back. And I think, again, it's just, I really think this is going to blow up in their face. I don't think this is going to work the way that they think it will, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I I, I heard JFK was accused of rape, but, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, Well, okay. uh, Last thing before I go. um, So I recently saw your video on um, the uh, 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 reparations activists. I think it was getting into argument with uh, Marion Williamson. I think it was in South Carolina. And yes. I want to, and holy shit, okay, no, I was wrong because like, I didn't know about the number, whether it's going to be one trillion or two trillion or, you know, however many trillions. But I, I, I thought Marion Williamson wanted to give like cash payments. I didn't know she wanted like some shitty uh, bureaucratic board. I think a lot of people thought that until they looked at her website until they looked at her website and they looked at the policy and they saw, Oh, wait a minute. She doesn't actually want to give people cash payments. I think that's when it kind of hit a buzzer for some people because I don't know, you know, um, that's definitely not what reparations activists are asking for. I can tell you that much. They're specifically asking for among other things, specifically asking for the cash payment. So she is going to lose people with that. Now, I know she seems to be polling, I think, like a 10% or something like that. But uh, I'd question how many, I'd question how many people who are reparations activists are actually a part of that poll. And that wow. is going to be a significant, that would be a significant part to help her in reference to her base. But to Marcel's point, she's got to get those numbers right. And she has to fix that cash payments issue as well. Why do you think she wants a bureaucratic board? Because I just feel like like that's like just super obvious that that would be deeply unpopular and would backfire. Because she doesn't feel it's her place to tell people how the money should be spent. But I push back on that because at the same time, she does feel that it's her place to decide where the money's supposed to go. And she is making the decision that the money should go to the board and they should decide what to do with it. So my whole thing, I think, with Marianne is that that is something that she does need to she needs to fix and she needs to get that right. Because I'm telling you right now, having spoken to reparations activists, they are not down with this idea of giving this money to a committee and not giving cash payments directly to the people. That is one of the the big concerns. Um, And I think that. Honestly, 
I think the reason why the dollar amount that she has is really low, like that one trillion, that's actually less than what they said it should have been in 1984, is because she doesn't want to upset her white base too much. I really do believe that. That's well, why she has a low number, and that's why she doesn't want to give out direct cash payments because she knows, and if you look at some of the people who support Marianne, there are a good amount of white PMC supporters there, and she doesn't want to upset them. You know, this goes back to the Bernie Sanders thing. Same thing. Bernie Sanders didn't want to upset the white working class. That's why he didn't agree with reparations for African-Americans at all. And it wasn't a part of his platform, even though Nina Turner told him in 2020, he should have made that a part of his platform. She tried to tell him that. Cornel West tried to tell him that. But again, even at the end of the day, even though Marianne, that was her number one issue when she ran in 2020, she still doesn't have it framed correctly and her numbers are not correct. Yeah, uh, I I barely even hear her talking about it anymore. It's like she wants to be nope. unpopular on purpose. Nope, that was her number one issue, and she doesn't talk about it. In fact, it seems like she'll only talk about it if someone brings it up. Like, I brought it up. When me and Nick interviewed her, I brought it up. Otherwise, she wasn't going to bring it up, and that was her number one issue? Yeah, she definitely had a strong uh, Karen energy or whatever. And to be honest, I I didn't even know that she was Jewish until uh, when I saw the video last week. Um, so yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for talking to me, Savvy. I'll see you later. Awesome. Thanks so much, Karthik. Okay, Roger, I'm gonna come back to you because I know you'll be a minute. Go ahead, Eric, and then I'll bring in Ashura. I'm just saying, Marianne and Anna trying to have it both ways. <laughs> Reparations and not. The other thing with the whole Trump thing is, I I, I feel like it's it's kind of like it's it's this machine. It's like they it's like the whole political government Washington class has has created this this machine, and it's you know and it's you can you you fight you know red and blue and whatnot, and so and so it, it's and there there are inputs into into the machine like the inputs are like. You know, never go after the billionaires, you know, never do anything too significant for the peasants and, and just go after, you know, have these, these intramural fights. And, and so I feel like what's happening now is just another facet of that machine. It's just like, it's just, so it's just this, this prosecutor doing, doing their role and just doing the prosecution and then Trump does his thing and, and and the biggest thing is just to never have any real serious change in it, in any you know, and and shush about the corruption and the big money. Never never talk about that because then people might start thinking about the real solutions we need. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And you know what's funny? Trump isn't even a billionaire. You know, so look at look at who they're going after. <laughs> mm -hmm. What's going on, Ashera? You just have to unmute. Welcome to the call. Welcome. Hey. How are you? What's going on in Canada land? I don't know. Waiting for you to move move to Canada. Eric <laughs> Canadia. <laughs> I, I seriously don't know why Eric had to move back to the States. <laughs> I mean he had it made. I never lived in Canada, but I I have connections to Canada. <laughs> Uh, you could have just stayed, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I visited. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. We're, we're taking Canada down with us, man. So, 
Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is Canada's fault. They wanted to be the United States bitch. So the bitch goes down with the with the pimp. Swirling <laughs> down the drain together, just a few years yeah. behind us, yep. So uh <laughs> uh I managed to see like two thirds of your show. But I, I had to go I had to basically leave it. I had to pop back but right at the end. Uh as for the AOC burner thing, like people are like the they, they bring up the Jimmy Dore thing about how he had like that uh that, that burner account. Like whether or not Jimmy had a burner account is fucking irrelevant because uh lots of people has have alternate accounts. But Jimmy right. some people have backup channels on YouTube, some people have another another uh Twitter account if Twitter locks them out of the first one. So I'm like, what the fuck is with this Jimmy Dore Derangio syndrome? And then you want to be like a hypocrite per se, oh we're gonna defend AOC. And then you have Ryan Grimm, the some stenographer of uh well the squad. The shit squad. <laughs> he comes in and, and Nico just bodies him. And after after that, he basically blocked him. Yeah, well, he he blocked him twice. All right, Ryan is very sensitive. You know, so. <laughs> what what did he mean? Block him twice? So he blocked him and unblocked him and block him again. Yes, he he blocked him and then he unblocked him to comment and then he blocked him again. It's like he could comment even behind the block. I mean, that's like what well, that, that's the that's Jimmy's problem with uh, with um, uh, uh, Ryan Grimm. He shits behind you. He shits on you behind a behind behind a block, so you can't tell. Well, my whole thing is is this. Um, I think there was too much focus on the actual like account, whether it was her burner account or not, and. Nico kept trying to bring it back to the main story, which was the fact that she voted to send money to Nazis in Ukraine. Yeah. That that's, that's what even started the conversation to begin with. And nobody wanted to answer that question. She didn't want to answer that question. Ryan Grimm didn't want to answer that question. No one wanted to focus on that. As soon as he brought that back up again, all of a sudden he was blocked again. See, nobody wants to focus on the real issues. They want to focus on these issues that are honestly, like, in my opinion, not really important. And for, so for Nico to call that out, it wasn't even so much him saying, oh, look, I think I found her burner account. But it was more so look at what that account said in response to voting to send money to Nazis in Ukraine. That's what the tension. That's what Nico was trying to bring it back to in reference to the important issue. But again, like I said, AOC doesn't want to answer that question. She still hasn't answered that question when she's been approached and people have confronted her and asked her about that. And and I did see, I did notice, I saw a, a, a tweet that was sent to me because he has us blocked. David Sirota is about to interview AOC. Mm. And I'm pretty well, I'm pretty damn sure David Sirota isn't going to ask AOC about voting to send money to Nazis in Ukraine. Otherwise, she wouldn't be doing this interview. Why would he? I mean, it's like the other guy that was uh, interviewing AOC. Uh, he he works at the Intercept. I mean, it's funny that the Intercept is supposed to be independent. <laughs> I'm a billionaire, and you got there still supported while they're being independent. Well, the Intercept is not independent. Yeah, they, they they were they were basically owned by the Paul media. I mean, the, the Intercept, I, I think, was kind of originally an interesting experiment, 
And it was basically Glenn Greenwald kind of seeing if he could start this um, this outlet and as an independent outlet with a few partners and use the the billionaire cash to make it a real substantive outlet and and if he could do it and it and it kind of worked for a while and then it just I, I think just there's just too much influence I think from from big money and big money interests eventually they ended up with this board of directors that were just real democratic types this Betsy, Betsy Reed or, or something and and they you know and they ended up just you know turning it into just another mouthpiece for power and, and pushing Glenn out. But I guess it was an interesting experiment for a while, but I guess it shows you what you can't do. Well, every, every time the Democrats try something, it gets co-opted or they take the money. I mean, look at justice. Well, it's their job, right? Look at justice. Democrats. It's not a mistake. You know, justice Democrats was created by Kyle Kolinsky and uh, Jake Uger. And now they're taking fucking money up the ass. Like, I can't say the word. Uh, <laughs> I think you just did. <laughs> uh, they're, t- they're basically corrupt. Like there were so many articles about Justice Democrats taking millions of dollars, and where was Kat Kalinsky? Nowhere to be fucking seen. Nowhere talking about it. How his baby has become completely corrupt. Well, I think I guess at that point they weren't a part of the organization anymore. You know, at at that point, when those things, when that information was released, I don't think Jink and Kyle were even a part of Justice Democrats at that point. Well, you no, know, I I know that it's just like weird. Like he 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 would defend AOC constantly when people were calling her out. He was like, "Oh, she's not corrupt," and then people then then he would actually come out and critique her just slightly, and then then I would basically come in the comments and people were like, "Well, see, see, Kyle's defending her." No, Kyle's basically calling her out. I'm like, bitch, he ain't calling her out. He's just technically doing it. It's theater. These Democrats, they, they support anybody in the party. And AOC basically showed her ass on that burner account. Like, I, I think Nico basically showed, like, somehow Zaza means Alexander, Alexandra. So, so some cute name. <laughs> Nico was, like, all day long, he was, like, tweeting. Yeah, I think, I think the reason maybe he was probably still defending her was to try to get access. Oh, look at them now. They don't want to give you access. I mean, they'll, no. make you beg. they'll make you beg for it. They don't even want to give access to the people who still defend them. Why would they? I mean, come on. Like, you think when AOC goes on TYT now, TYT's like, you got to come here? No, they'll say, no. They'll, she'll say, I'll come on my time. You don't, you don't get to tell me what to do. Look at fucking Bernie Sanders. He made he he cut Kyle on his own show. I mean, honestly, the reason why I even knew who um, AOC was in the beginning was because I saw her on Jimmy Dore's show when she first ran. I saw her on Jimmy Dore's show. That's how I even found out about AOC. It's kind of funny now that uh, we went from George W. Bush making becoming the premise of the downfall of the United States to Joe Biden, because Bush did his wars, Joe Biden's basically tanking the U.S. dollar, which to me, I fucking support it, because maybe now, I I think you said today on the on the show that basically the BRICS thing, you're not going to have like a superpower directing like which thing they got to buy, they, they each could basically put their own money on the line. Right. 
I mean, I, I like that system. I mean, if you if I if I want to buy some Chinese money, I don't have to fucking use the I don't have to basically use American dollars or some some other shit. I can just use the same money. Well, they had to think outside the box. They had to say like, how can we stop the U.S. government from controlling our having the control over economic situations? Why don't we just break away from the U.S. dollar and do our own thing? I mean, honestly, I can't blame them. How many times basically family have been calling me from Haiti, asking me for money, and when that when I when I said Canadian dollars, they called me back and says, "Hey, uh, can you why didn't you change that money to U.S. dollars?" I'm like, motherfucker, don't call me again. <laughs> I'm like, don't call me again. Don't ask me. I, I, I they don't ask for money. There are other family members. Go ask them. I'm not gonna basically pay U.S. dollars. I'm like, why the fuck for? I'm not you. I'm not living in the states. And if I was living in the states. I probably keep those, those those dollars to myself because United States it's a it's a fucking shit show. Like you barely you barely fucking survive there. Those are all good points. Go ahead, Eric. If you were going to say something with with the China thing, it's just like I, I think people don't appreciate perhaps just how intertwined our economies are, like the U.S. and in China. I mean, in, in a way, it's really just one big economy because, I mean, they make everything that, that we use here. If they don't make the thing, they make all the parts in it. And so I, it's just kind of mind-boggling, this, this idea of going to war with them or, or having a serious conflict with them. It, it'd be like, you know, having a conflict with the person who controls your life or mm-hmm. <laughs> But you know, it just shows you how it's all just about these interests, and they don't even think it through. It's just it's like they're all NPCs, you know. <laughs> Didn't uh, this war with China started under Trump? Because I know the first thing he said he was going to put tariffs on their asses. I don't know if I would say it started under Donald Trump because the reality is that at the end of the day. There was, from for as long as I can remember, there seemed to be this this animosity towards China. To be honest with you, okay, because I never heard about that during the Obama years. So I never heard a bitch about China. It's only when Trump came in, because Obama basically handed China America's workforce. I feel like there are factions in all this, you know, and there's there's a faction that's more in the Obama camp that wants to 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 be friends with, with China and everybody and just make a lot of money and, and just, you know, run things that way. And then there's another faction that's more about the war economy. That's more about, you know, Raytheon and the, and the MIC and defense contractors. And, and I feel like, you know, they're the real hardcore neolibs and, and you had some of the, these same figures in, in with Bush being in and, and that are in there now. And so their thing is war, war tensions and making money off the MIC. And so right now, I guess they're winning, <laughs> winning the, you know, as far as who's calling the shots. Well, let's say if you didn't want to do war, you actually didn't want to do war anymore. And you say we want to shut off these uh, companies that make weapons. Couldn't you trans? Couldn't you transition to some, some other shit? Like, I don't know, make bikes, make motorcycles, cars and shit. 
Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things we, we could be doing. It's just that we, we have at, at the top of the economic pyramid right now, these monsters who, who run things and, and they're calling these shots and they see more money in bombs and war tensions, especially to, to, to keep funneling money to, you know, those defense contractors, which funnels money to them, to the billionaires. And then they funnel that money to Congress, to the government, and they, and they call the shots that way. And I mean, my, my kind of premise with the whole 11 demands things is that we're, we're running around, not getting anywhere because we're not dealing with that core, that core issue. You know, the money runs everything. And I, I, my position is until we get serious about calling out the money running everything and serious about the hard things we need to do to deal with that, um, we're gonna, just going to keep playing this game. Yeah, and uh, finally, what, what are your guys' thoughts on Trump tonight? Like, do you think that he has a shot to win unless he tries to pull that stop the steal shit or he won the election? Because I was, I was, I was like telling him, don't even fucking bring that up if you're bringing that speech. And he started bringing the fire almost at the end because it seemed like he was venting at first, and then he started talking about shit about Joe Biden and and the rest. And that MSC, what MSNBC did was a fuck up because they fucking need Donald Trump. I think that he can win again in 2024, especially especially now that this indictment has happened and he's been arraigned. Because I, I'm telling you, like, some people are going to look at him as like a martyr. They're like, look at what they're doing to Trump. This, He's right. It was a witch hunt, that kind of thing. So I think this is only going to help his case for presidency. Plus, Joe Biden seems to be nowhere to be found. <laughs> Why would he? I mean, he fucked up the country. Might as well hide it, but Kamala took all the shots. I mean, look how well she was received in Africa. <laughs> People mm-hmm. were dancing. They were laughing. And then I heard that when she went into that room with all the leaders, they started trashing her there. They gave her a welcoming party, and they trashed her at the party. Yeah, well, it's like, and, and also, and, and let's be real, I think we know why they sent Kamala and didn't have Biden go there, you know? So well, it's just, I don't know what they thought was going to happen, but. I mean, I was listening to Professor Black Truth and he mentioned one thing. Uh, there was a lot of black people at that part. Like you had like, what's his name? The guy, Idris Elba was there. Some other black woman I've never uh, known was there. And then you have Kamala Harris. And he's like, Kamala Harris basically is a flip flopper when it comes to her being black. She calls herself Indian when she needs to calls herself black when she needs to and is not even uh doesn't identify as Jamaican. Right. She, she plays that thing like a fucking dice. Well, sometimes I wonder if she doesn't identify as Jamaican because of the relationship with her father. Yeah, I think that's a fucking excuse. I, I really think that's an excuse by Kamala. Uh, so, uh, she does, she does what works in her favor, basically. Yeah. Yeah. There's that video or two videos where she was at an Indian party. They asked her a question. What's like to be the first black Indian person? Then she snapped at him and said, no, I'm an Indian. And then when she was at at a commemoration for black people, they asked her what it's like to be a first Indian black person. No, 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 I'm a black person. So depending on which party she's at, she's that identity. There you go. Yeah. And uh, Roger, before you come in, I love that thing Trump said about uh, the good phone call. <laughs> was 
<laughs> Beautiful phone call. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Rodney was <laughs> like, the best the phone call phone? ever. <laughs> They're still talking about the phone call in Ukraine. I think he said perfect. The perfect. The perfect phone call. Was- <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, thank you so much, Ashura. Those guys were funny as hell, Sabrina. I know they are funny, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, that was a good show with them. That was, <laughs> I, I just kept like laughing because these guys are like, I, I was, I was, I just couldn't stop like smiling. I was like, these guys are funny as hell. I think I might have, eh, I don't know if it's good news or bad news, could be good news or bad news. Um, so you remember when I was telling you about how the main reason why we don't have, didn't pass the New York Health Act in, um, in, uh, in New York State was because, um, the un- union leadership, uh, owns stock in private health care and they make bank by selling to their members. Uh, I, I don't know if I like told you that before or whatever. I or think so. I I think you have. So it's mainly been the teachers union and district council 37, which is like a group of municipal uh, people who use that union. Okay. So they're mostly in New York city. Well, and their thing to keep pressuring the state lawmakers leadership to stop it from coming to the floor for a vote. Uh, just now, um, what do you call it? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. What happened was Mayor Adams switched them over to Medicare Advantage. So they lost their health care. And like now they, and you know, Medicare Advantage is not really that uh, great. It's like the it covers that 20% of, of Medicare, whatever. Oh, my bad. That's for the retirees. So, yeah, yeah. So, it's not the, okay. So, it's coming back to me now. So, pretty much the DC 37 people threw their retirees under the bus. Okay. And, and, and so did Adam. So, he, he, so those who are no longer working, the retirees, he just gave them all like uh, Medicare Advantage or whatever. Um, I'm just really now finding out about it because I I just I was just reading that reading an email chain that I was part of in regarding the New York Health Act committee and so on and so forth. So it could lead to them finally getting on board. I mean, yeah, they may be working now, but when they retire, they know they're going to be dealing with Medicare Advantage. So, you know, I, w- we'll see what happens. Um, so it, it could be a. a you know, a, a blessing from heaven from 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 uh, my man Steve that int- that died like a month ago, who introduced me to the New York Health Act and New York politics. Um, but you know, uh, the budget was yeah, the budget was supposed to pass April Fool's Day, and it didn't, so they did an extender to the tenth. So what happens is, if they don't reach a budget, then the government shuts down and nobody gets paid who works for the state, okay? And the main thing that they're being held up on is the fact that the governor really wants to do her um, housing plan, 
which was um, I don't know if you read those. Uh, what do you call it, I think those screenshots that I sent over about the budget, but she wants to uh, allow developers to override local zoning laws. And I guess developers is a fancy word for like real estate uh, type people, private equity type people to override local zoning laws that would be like, hey, we're going to put these uh, wink, wink, affordable housing in your area when it's, you know, tall buildings in, in the suburbs. You know, the reason why people move out to the suburbs, they want to get away from tall buildings and they don't like to see a whole bunch of tall buildings go up in the suburbs because that's what they gotten away from. So there's this big fight with that, not to mention the fact the whole thing with uh, the bail reform that, you know, she's she's really wants to roll that's that took up like 90 percent of the of the budget talk she wants to roll back do another rollback of bail reform and the legislature is like not budging so you know we could have a shutdown come uh after the 10th in new york yes hmm that's interesting yeah yeah that is interesting let's bring in uh jenny Jenny, you are on the mic. I want to get your opinion about Trump's arraignment. Just have to unmute. Yeah, I just watched the speech that he gave from Mar-a-Lago tonight. And I thought he made some really good points. Uh, To me, the biggest and most interesting story of the day was that A.G. Bragg's wife, who has been incredibly outspoken on her Twitter feed, just made it private. And there are some people pointing to that, saying that she was so vitriolic with her words that um, they may have committed a felony, her and her husband, by exposing stuff that they were not supposed to let out about the charges. Oh, dear. So that's just an interesting side story to the whole thing. Because of what she was because of things that she said on Twitter earlier. Yeah, apparently they're they're supposed to not talk about any of the details in this type of a situation. And she and her husband were sharing information ahead of today. And apparently that's a felony. And Trump Trump mentioned that in his speech tonight. Oh boy, I tell you. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Even though she deleted it, they can still pull up that information. And I guarantee you some people probably already have screenshots of that information too. Yeah, I don't I'm not a legal person, so I don't know all the nuances of these types of things, but um, they sure were determined. I mean, I think I think Bragg wrote a book about getting Trump and it's really been kind of priority one for him since he came into office. And there's a lot going down in New York right now with crime and just things are kind of chaotic. And people are like, why are you doing this when we've got so many other issues that we need to be focused on. People think he's using it to try and get a name for himself and get popular and, you know, kind of virtue signal to his base. I don't know what's in the man's heart, but I I just think the whole thing's a big spectacle. Yeah, well, there is money to be made there for what he's trying to do in reference to his book. I will say, though, you bring up a really good point about there's other things that people should be focusing on, like in reference to New York, like what about the homeless rate? What yeah. about, you know, the the brutality against homeless people right now in New York, where you have police officers that are just basically throwing away their homes, throwing away their tents, like 
telling them that they have to go to these mental health facilities and who's to who who's to say whether or not they're they're mentally ill or not not everyone who's homeless is mentally ill so the thing is is that you're right there are so many other things that he could be focusing on instead of okay my main goal is to take down Donald Trump and meanwhile we'll say this too in reference to distraction right you know every media major media network was focused on Trump's arraignment today. And rightfully so, this is important news. But you know what else I noticed? I am not seeing, for the most part, I'm not seeing mainstream media talk too much about the Google co-founder and Jamie Dimon. And there's two other billionaires who were just subpoenaed because of their financial involvement with Jeffrey Epstein's Island. Oh, I didn't hear that. Exactly. Interesting. Mainstream media is not talking about that. The only person, to be honest with you, I've talked about it extensively, like on my show, but even when I was looking for information, when I searched, it was very difficult for me to find information about it. Not many people covered it aside from, I know Kim Iverson has talked extensively about this. Whitney Webb has talked about this. She's been talking about this for a long time and she's written a book about it as well. But this just happened recently. And while everybody is focused on Donald Trump and I actually watched CNN when I was at the gym this morning, I actually, I I watch the news when I work out. So I, I like multitask, but I was watching CNN this morning. One of the news stories that came up, they were talking about the banking crisis about Silicon Valley Bank. Like, how long is it going to take for these banks to get back to where they were before? And they show a picture of Jamie Dimon, who is the CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, if you guys are wondering. And they're showing this picture and they said, well, Jamie Dimon uh, in a recent interview said that it's going to take a minute for the banks to get back to where they were. I listened to this entire segment. Not once did they mention that J.P. Morgan and uh, Sergey, who is the co-founder of Google, not once did they mention that these guys were just subpoenaed for their financial involvement in Epstein's Island. Wow. It's really bizarre. Like, I have to tell you guys, like, this just happened a couple days ago. I think I just, did I post the clip? I posted the clip today on my channel. But I did the live stream a couple of days ago. This is huge news. And the only outlets that I was able to find that was covering that information, it seemed like it was international news outlets. But as far as like CNN and MSNBC and Fox News here in the U.S., they're not even touching it. And they mentioned Jamie Dimon in reference to the banking situation. And they totally left out the fact that they were just subpoenaed. Wow. Well, the other big story I noticed that nobody was talking about is that the Biden administration sent another big pile of money to Ukraine. You're right. That's another one. There's there's all these other stories that are happening that just kind of are honestly flying under the radar because the main focus right now is this case against Donald Trump. And while everybody's focused on that, I sit back and I wonder, okay, how's our money being spent right now? Right. 
Well, and I think the media, especially MSNBC and CNN, have made so much money off of Trump's stories that they're just looking to pay their bills because they really have not been doing that well these past few years. Yep. No, you're right. You're right. But I mean, it's just like, I'll continue to talk about, like, I I told you guys from day one, I said, I'm going to continue to cover this story about Epstein Island because I felt like after uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, after she was sentenced, I felt like it was just kind of like this mute point. Like people just stopped talking about it and more information has been coming out. And I'm like, we all need, need to be talking about this. We all need to still focus on this because I'm sorry, but you have bankers here and you have a co-founder of Google, which is the largest search engine in the world. How was he involved? You know, if you have someone who's the co-founder of the largest search engine in the world, am I supposed to sit back and think that in no way, shape or form, if he was involved, he wouldn't have made it so that the search engine wasn't favored in a way towards Epstein, like this is huge information. Right. Well, and Whitney Webb, I think should get, you know, a huge award, maybe even a, you know, big journalism award, a Pulitzer for her work just on this story. And once I heard her backstory that she was inadvertently separated from her husband and he was in Europe and she was in Brazil and she was pregnant and had taken care of babies because of COVID, they weren't able to get back together. When I heard that story as she wrote her book, you know, this young mom heroically doing this deep dive on this man. And I think she's written probably the definitive book on the situation. You know, that's worthy of some serious accolades. Yeah, for people who are not aware of that, you're 100% correct. Whitney Webb, yes, at that time, uh, she was pregnant. I've heard her do this interview um, on other channels a couple of times. And I, I just remember thinking to myself, like, there's no way. <laughs> how, how in the world was she able to do all this? But it took her like, you know, years of, of extensive research. Um, Whitney Webb is not one to take lightly. Like Whitney Webb has had, had death threats made towards her because she's covering this story. I know it's been a travesty. This is true. This is true. But I don't want people to forget about it. I mean, I think there are a lot of like big players here involved, you guys. Like, I think it's when I I think about this particular situation with Jeffrey Epstein, I think it's even people that some of us may actually like, and we may be really surprised to see that they're connected in some way, shape or form. And that is why they don't want to release those names and they don't want that list out because they know. And that's the other thing to me too. It's like they're on the gentleman who you're referring to that wrote the book. His main goal was to take down Trump. Why not? have your main goal, especially if you're have that, you're in that position of power and you have that type of influence. Okay. You're trying to take down just one person who's a symptom, right? Why not try to take down this entire sex ring that's, that's connected to Jeffrey Epstein. Isn't that more important? Well, and they try to point to Trump and his relationship with Epstein and saying, Oh, he was doing it too. And the stories I have heard is that once he realized who, Epstein was he kicked him out of Mar-a-Lago and then he worked with the attorney of Virginia I can't remember her last name is it Jeff Jeffrey the one of the big Epstein victims he worked with her attorney Brad and gave him good intel so these are the stories I've heard that you've not seen in the media that's just saying oh Trump was a you know part of Epstein's inner circle there's definitely some photos and videos of him 
but to say that he was one of these people trafficking kids and traveling to the island over over and over i just haven't seen that evidence yeah i've i've heard the same thing actually but those same people they don't want to mention bill clinton they don't want to mention obama was also at that island bill gates yeah and I'm not saying that everybody who went to that island is some sort of a pedophile. I think a lot of people were seduced into going, saying, hey, come to the Caribbean. We'll have this great conference or whatever. And they find themselves on this island with all these underage girls being, you know, gaslit and maybe videos taken of them doing impro improper things. Were they drugged? What was going on in terms of, you know, what did, what did Whitney call her book? It was like, um, oh, I can't remember the title of it. But it was basically like everybody's operating under the thumb of Jeffrey and Ghislaine Maxwell's extortion ring. And um, mm. do you remember the name of her book? I can't think of it. One Nation Under I can't remember the, something. the name of it either. But I know she was she was on Jimmy's show not too long ago talking about it. But if you guys have not seen that interview, if you if you just go to YouTube and search Jimmy Dore, Whitney Webb, watch yeah, that interview that Whitney Webb did with Jimmy Dore, because that was probably one of the longer interviews I've seen her do. I think it was One Nation Under Blackmail. Yes, somebody just put it in the chat. That's it. And I haven't even read the whole thing yet because it's it's like two volumes. It's huge. But I've watched a lot of interviews that she's done and she's just a hero. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Um, the other thing with her too, is that, well, for one, I don't have contact information to get in touch with her, but I'd love to have her on. But the other thing with her too, is that some people that have interviewed her, they've had their interviews removed because it depends on what she talks about in reference to the Epstein thing. But some people, what they'll do is they'll do part of their interview with her on YouTube and then do the other part on Rockfin for that reason. Yeah, no, she's been highly censored. I think she might even be in hiding right now that I heard a rumor about that, that she had to go into hiding with her family. I think they took her off of PayPal, too. I think she was one of the people. I think it was her and Vanessa Bealey. Um, I think they were two of the journalists that were taken off of. They were removed from PayPal. I think it was last year. Yeah, so she can't even make money from her, her donors and her fans. That's sick. That's really sick. Yeah. Well, thanks, Abby, for letting me chime good. in. I'm a big, I'm a big Trump supporter, yeah. so I'm going to vote for him. Yeah, Roger, you want to say something? Are you Are you here in in New York? Oh no, I'm out in Boulder, Colorado. Oh okay. All right. I grew up in Detroit, though. Okay. Now nah, we was having like a little rally this Sunday. That's why for uh, the New York Health Act in Queens. Oh, I would so be there if I was out there. That would be awesome. But you know what? You don't even have to be out here because Colorado is a citizen ballot initiative state. You can you can do it, boom, as an initiative. Medicare for all Colorado. Oh, is that what it's about? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the New York, the, 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 what we're having is the New York Health Act rally, pretty much. But you can have single payer, you know, you, you live in Colorado, so voters can place initiatives on the ballot to either amend their state Colorado constitution or pass Colorado law or repeal a law. I would suggest run, it, run the initiative as an amendment because when you run it as an amendment and, they, and the government wants to repeal it, 
they have to ask you first, whereas they don't if you pass it as a law. Interesting. You know, I'm not a big Medicare for all person. I'm actually more like alternative healing. I really encourage people to use non-insurance uh, type doctors, herbalists, chiropractors, alternative healers. So well, you I, can you can you can craft a single payer that includes them too. Who says you don't? Well, I thought the the Medicare for all was mostly being funded by pharmaceutical interests. Is that am I wrong about that? No, you're wrong. It, it would be it, it would be um, no. Actually, the pharmaceutical interest is opposed to it because um, at least at least like where we're at in New York. We would be kicking out the private health insurance companies out of the state and the state would cover um, all costs, mental, dental, vision, hearing, prescription, drug, medication, reproductive care, hospital stay, nursing homes, all of that. So even if you did that as an initiative in your state, you could also have you can also put in the initiative to also include alternative medicine also. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm a health freedom activist. And so I'm all about just people doing their own prenatal care, having babies at home. You know, it's it's just not my uh, my world that I okay. operate in. But yeah, no problem. I but it doesn't it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, What's that word? It doesn't say you can't do that. I'm just saying. I just think it'd be a cold day in hell when they'd pay a midwife over an obstetrician from anything coming from the government, but that's just my own personal view. No, I hear you. But what I'm saying is you're you're the lawmaker. You would be a citizen lawmaker or and a constitutional amender. You can actually write it where it can cover that. Midwives and and um uh um healers and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, it's you luck. doing it, not the government. Good luck to your efforts. I am all about grassroots efforts. And, you know, I put in the chat that I'm, because I'm a conservative, I've watched as various conservative groups have been derailed by uniparty and establishment money. And that includes the Tea Party and Freedom Works. And most recently, James O'Keefe, he did this huge takedown of Pfizer. And the next day, mm -hmm. his own board yeah, yeah, of directors made a move to get him out of his own organization. And he had to leave. And he started something else now. But you know, no, I saw that. But if you know what, then I, I agree. You can have you can do an initiative to uh, say to make it unconstitutional for parties to exist in Colorado. If you're against the uniparty and parties and so forth, you can do anything. I'm just against any big corporate moneyed interest that wants to force me to buy their product, force me. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, I'm. Not, How was it? Yeah. I'm all about just families having control over their own lives and especially in education and healthcare. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, what I'm talking about doesn't contradict what you're saying. Well, good luck with your rally. We're having a big one up here in Denver too uh, about education issues because they've got a bill on, on the books that's really, they want kids to be able to get mental health care without their parents' permission. And what? I, I'm not kidding. Wow. That's a big one. 12, yeah, 12 to 18 year olds doing mental health stuff behind their parents' backs. And I I just think that is, you know, just a bridge too far from, oh boy. Uh, oh from boy. the powers that be. They should not be, you know, they just should not be doing anything behind the parents' backs, but especially mental health stuff. You know, mom and dad should be involved in that decision. Of course. 
No, thanks, especially, guys. especially if any type of medication is involved, that's for sure. Yeah, you know it, you know it. And, and you know, I, I can just feel it in my gut that it's pharmaceutical. Again, interest pushing this one. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to be all taxpayer funded. They've got like $127 million set aside for all these kids to, to use their mental health care services. Again, behind the parents' backs. When a group of parents out here found out about it, they've got a rally organized on Thursday. And I just, I interviewed the, the gal who um, organized that just today on my own call-in show. So I was really proud of them for being on top of it because they were being really sneaky. Well, so much for calling in, Jenny. Thank you, Savvy. I love your show. Thank you so much. Okay. I'm going to pivot to Noelle and then I'm actually going to bring in Amanda. I haven't heard from Amanda in a while. So, oh, uh, Noelle, you just have to unmute yourself. There you go. Good evening. Um, you know, as far as the Trump arraignment goes, I really think it, they understand the stakes in this. And I think is the deep, deep state that is so disenchanted with him in terms of his um, damaging the U.S. interests internationally um, and him being you know, flouting the entirety of the system for his own benefit. I think this whole thing is um, an appetizer of sorts. And I think it was really meant to demonstrate to him that he can be had. And so, you know, without regards to whether the um, charges are substantive, these are the first set and there are other charges coming from other jurisdictions that are more serious. So I think this is really to shake him and say, listen, you are not untouchable. You're not Teflon Don and we can reach you and we will. And I think just having to go through this process like any other common criminal, um, I'm sure it had some type of psychological impact on him especially because he knows those more serious and substantive charges from other jurisdictions are yet to come. So I think this was a wake up call to him to say is yeah, is real. And if, you know, even in the clip of him tonight, he was more measured um, than he's ever been. And he is still trying to run that same playbook of, you know, oh, they're after me, this and that and blah, blah, blah. And that may work with this set of charges, but it won't work with just give me 12,000 votes. That is the more serious set. And he's not going to be able to escape those. And I don't think, you know, the, the Republican establishment has had their feel of him. And so the 30 or some odd percent that is just with him, no matter what, they'll be with him. But that is not a big enough intersection to move him to the presidency in a general election. And I believe, you know, the independence will be hard to sway. And that portion of the Republican base that is sick of him So all the Republicans need to do at this point is mount a more serious um, challenger to him. And, you know, that'll be that. Now, I think 
what the Democrats may be doing in terms of underestimating things is not paying the right account to how depressed the Democratic vote may be. Because if you can excite that base and based on um, Joe Biden's performance up to this point, he is really having an issue with trying to excite the Democratic base. So he's going to be in some trouble and he continues to alienate, you know, different factions of his base through the unpopular moves he's making internationally as well as domestically. And so either way it goes, um, I think like, you know, we say this empire is unraveling. Um, I think the move by the Chinese to first build peace with Saudi Arabia and Iran and now moving forward with the BRICS concept is them seizing an opportunity while America is preoccupied with the proxy war between Ukraine and Russia to really build that strong alternative to U.S. hegemony. And I just don't think there is a way out of it. You know, we've hollowed out the value of the dollar by chasing profits through cheap labor all over the world. Now we really have nothing of substance to back the value of the dollar. And the military card is just coming to a close. And I think, you know, I just don't see a way out of all of the forces that are conspiring to bring America into focus. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think that when I saw the video footage of him earlier today when he was walking into the courthouse and then they showed him again coming out of that room. Yeah. This was after he had heard uh, the charges. He did not look like his usual self. No. He looked totally deflated. So I think, I don't know if he was expecting to get as many counts as he did. Um, but I, I will say it does kind of show you that this was one time when he was not in control. Exactly. And, and that is not his, you know, forte. It is not where he is most comfortable. And I think, you know, the lack of energy in terms of the the rallies outside just being uncontrollable and, you know, tearing up creation. I think that had an impact, too, because it demonstrates that that train has kind of left the station. Yep. And even though they may, you know, we understand it is political. But when you think about it, can you indict a former president? and it not be perceived to some extent as being politically driven. So that part, you know, for me, that's, that was going to be an inescapable argument, no matter who it was, when it was. But the reality is, you know, those 34 charges, um, which in essence is a charge for every deception that I am sure that district attorney probably can prove, um, will lead to an incon incontrovertible conclusion. You know, Trump is, a lot of people have lost their careers fooling around with trying to protect Trump, and now they're willing to talk. 
And so, you know, he may be able to beat this um, one way or another. But like I say, those other charges coming out of those other jurisdictions will be a horse of another color. And he's been given a foretaste of what this process is, you know, so. You know, again, the the D Democrats may be overplaying their hand, but I think they have to go with everything they've got because he has to be wounded further. And it only clears the way, I think, for a more competent autocrat to come through the Republican side. And we'll see if DeSantis can manage that, or maybe it'll be somebody else who's, you know, on even firmer ground than DeSantis. So it, 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 a lot remains to be seen, but I think the big picture is this country is in trouble on every front. It's just trouble. And so, um, you know, I just, you know, I stay really prayerful and, but the more I look, you know, I just heard today that Finland became a part of NATO today. So that amps up the situation with the proxy war with um, Russia. So it's like I say, it's we're just moving in all the wrong directions. And I don't see where anybody on any side of the establishment is going to be able to reel this thing in. And it's just so disenchanting that we don't have more plausible um, candidates with integrity coming to the fore. Not that they would have a chance through the duopoly anyway. So it's just really, you know, a, a bad time. I hear you. Let me go ahead and bring in uh, Amanda. Amanda, it's been a minute. What's going on? You just got to unmute and then I'll come back and I'll pick up uh, Edu. Just gotta hey, hit the unmute button. Sorry, sorry. Hello. I just you you caught me off guard. I didn't know I was coming up so fast. I just <laughs> like for a second turned my head and look what happens. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? I am doing okay. How do you feel about all of this? Uh, Trump's arraignment, and also I want to ask, like, do you feel like this is embarrassing, like for the United States? <laughs> more embarrassing than the rest of it all no <laughs> <laughs> no but embarrassing yeah i mean no it's actually embarrassing we haven't convicted any of the people who have committed the war crimes mm -hmm. i mean i don't know but i love this country and and i mean that doesn't mean that i can't say what the fuck are we doing that's kind of the thing that that drives me a little crazy. But I just wanted to comment quickly. Um, I'm not sure what all happened with the retirees with that Medicare Advantage, but the Medicare Advantage is like nothing. And these are people who worked and expected they would have their Medicare in their old age, and they're not going to get it. And that's kind of crappy in yeah. a, lot of, a lot of ways. That's another thing that's not being focused on, too. And then somebody else said something about zoning and my understanding of the history of zoning was it had to do with segregation and keeping certain elements, if you know what I mean, out of certain areas. Yep. And so 
So, zone, you know, getting rid of zoning in single family residential areas and stuff is actually supposed to be breaking down some of the structural racism. At least that's my understanding. I'm not a professional in that area, but that's my understanding of it. So for what that's worth, that, but I, I just, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that was me talking, talking about that. The, the thing is, is that, um, the, well, are you in New York? California. So the thing is our, our governor in New York, she wants to hand it over to uh, big developers. Okay. To override local zoning laws. So it's kind of like, yeah, uh, it's, oh, what, what did do dissonance say tonight? He said, Trump is good at diagnosing the problem, but he has the wrong solutions. Um, it's kind of like one of those things. Like you don't hand it over to, okay, fine. Oh, no, she no, no. recognizes that's, that's me. giving the oh. keys to the hen house to the fox, right? Right, right. Exactly. But that's what she wants to do because she's, I mean, you got to understand in New York state, the biggest, probably one of the biggest donors is, um, they call it rebel New York, R E B New York, uh, real estate. Uh, I think it's, it's brokers, but I think it might be, I think the B might stand for something else, but real estate brokers, New York. Mm. I mean, they are like big here. Mm. See what I'm saying? Yeah, and developers are big everywhere because they have the money because they have the property. <laughs> right, but yeah. here in in New York, they are like they're like the main donors to the Democrat Party here. You know what I mean? And uh, same in LA and San that, Francisco. That's how Chesa Boudin got. It's the developers that that funded Chesa Boudin's recall in San Francisco. Mm. Yeah, so they're. They're the Those ones driving problems up. everywhere. Yeah, they're, so you know they're driving up. So out out here in the, in, the, in the suburbs in Long Island, they got these big, tall, huge metropolitan-looking buildings that are luxury apartments by um, the Long Island Railroad, by the train stations, right? And I mean, we're talking like you know four thousand dollars for rent, you know, and all that stuff, and. Uh, I'm like, what? You're gonna you're gonna build so-called affordable housing? Is that your is that your uh, uh, version of what affordable housing is? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, and you know a lot of so it's kind of like, uh, uh, so it's kind of like you're fighting two beasts at once because you're thinking about, oh yes, like you said, the way it was set up is to uh, is you know like to uh, segregation, but at the same time. Yeah, you want you might want to end it, but at the same time, you're like, I'm oh, not with these guys. <laughs> you know, like I don't <laughs> want those guys as my allies. So you're kind of like trapped, and you end up having to have what's that word? Having to team up. You know, I I think I'd much rather team up against the developers, and we'll just figure something out later on, or whatever the case is. You know, but yeah, I totally appreciate that. And speaking of appreciate. Sabrina, what a lovely thing that you do for the community, having these call-ins and doing your show and the interviews you do. It's just really nice to see a smart young person doing smart things for the rest of us. So thank you. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I'll keep listening. Thank you so much. I appreciate that.
Um, yeah, I, I can't help but think like to myself, like when I was even watching this earlier this morning, I was just thinking to myself like, God, what an embarrassment. And I, I wonder how other countries are looking at us right now and how they feel about the United States based on what happened today. Um, I know I was in Canada when Trump won. I was actually on my honeymoon. <laughs> Go figure. And we were in Montreal and then we were in Quebec City. And I really thought that we were not going to hear any of this stuff for the most part. But I was totally wrong because even though we were in Canada, like every place we went to, people were like, I feel bad for your country. So it was really interesting because I was like, oh, we're totally going to get away from all this Trump Hillary like ridiculousness. And that was not the case at all. Every bar we went to had the election on the TV. Like they were just as much interested in the outcome of this election as Americans were. And so it was funny, like we couldn't escape it. <laughs> but yeah, we everywhere we went, we we still continue to hear about Trump and we feel sorry for you guys, etc. But all right, Idu, you are on the mic. Hi, Savi. Thank you so much for this space. Um, so I just had like a really quick question. Um, given that, you know, like um, people take these circumstances to like, you know, claim some title and some like flag of like, you know, free speech or like, you know, um, human rights, all of, all of that. I was wondering whether you had any thoughts or that I've missed any of your thoughts already that uh, you've given around, um, you know, some of these like online leftists who are like blocking people on Twitter, um, you know, um, I'm talking about like, you know, people like Brian Grimm and David Bachman and, uh, you know, um, you who act so righteous, but then, you know, when they think like nobody sees them, like they just block you on Twitter. Since you've you know you've experienced that, I was wondering whether like you've shared those those thoughts and that reaction. Thank you. Good question. Yeah, for those who are are not aware, um, I was blocked by David Pakman, and I don't even know like <laughs> this just came out of nowhere, and I was like, dude, like we literally go to some of the same spots in Boston. Like for those who don't know, like David Pakman is local to me. Like he's not in you know another state like he's not someone that is out of reach for people who live in the boston area so to speak so this shit was hilarious i was just like why <laughs> and i was trying to think back and i'm like i haven't done any i haven't done any negative videos about david packman i did one video about him where i said he was correct about uh, the Medicare for all issues oh. that we run into. So I, I did that. But other than that, the only thing I said to him yeah. was when he, he put up that tweet where he said he was basically saying that the, the victims of the Nashville shooting, that he guessed they didn't pray hard enough. Like he got a lot of, you know, flack for people about that. Um, but my response, the only thing I even said was, and I think this is the only time I've ever responded to him. I said, as a fellow Massachusetts, Massachusetts, I think that you should probably apologize for this remark. You know, 
Next thing I know, I got blocked. I was like, damn. So, so if you walk into the same coffee shop, does he like put his hand over his eyes and he can't see you? I don't know, but that, that, that is so weird. It's like out of all the people to block me, I'm like, dude, that was really random. Because like, I don't go after David Pakman. Like for the most part, I just totally forget about him. But um, to answer your question, uh, Idu, I think it shows that they just don't want to engage in the conversation. They don't really want to debate. They don't want to have a good faith conversation, but they'll talk about you from behind a block. And I think that's the lowest of the low, by the way. I really do. But yeah, like you should. And I, I saw one of those tweets from Nico where he said, do you want to have this conversation? And it was obvious that Ryan Grimm was not willing to have that conversation, but he wanted to speak badly about him on Twitter to everybody. And and that's the problem that I have, I think, with that that type of behavior is like you want to come after this person, but you're not willing to have a discussion with them one on one to understand what they're talking about and why they said what they said. Well, I just don't feel like that makes sense. And if you are on a show like Breaking Points where you have people on that show who have a different political ideology than you, well, then you talk to people who disagree with you pretty often. So what is it about the other people who disagree with you that you're not willing to have that discussion with them about? What is it about that? Is it that they're going to prove you wrong? You know? Um, this idea to come in and protect AOC at all costs. I've seen him do this multiple times. I had this discussion with him. And it just shows, again, how strong access journalism is. He is the DC guru chief for The Intercept. He is the one that interviews these politicians like AOC. So if he were to heavily complain about her, or even call her out when she's she's incorrect, like a lot of us do, he would lose that access. He might even lose that position at the intercept, to be honest, but he would lose that access. And that's just the reality of the game. Now, that being said, does that mean that you have to jump in online every time someone points out something about AOC that may or may not be correct? Like, who are you, AOC's bodyguard? Like, it's really strange behavior uh, to me. And so my whole thing is, is you could have just stayed out of it. Ryan Grimm didn't have to retweet that tweet from Nico and make it more of a big deal than it already was. He could have just stayed completely out of it, but he has to go to defend the politicians so that he can continue to get the access. And Shama Sawant called this out so clearly when she said snake oil salesman. Snake oil salesman. So for me to answer your question, it just seems like they don't want to engage, especially if they know it is not going to work out well for them or won't be favorable to them. They are not willing to engage. And that's unfortunate. I feel like we used to be in a space where we could have conversations with people that we disagree with, um, especially for those of us that supported Bernie. But uh, that is not the case so much anymore, you know. Um, and I, honestly, I don't think breaking points would allow Ryan Grimm to have that conversation with Nico House. Yeah, on Ryan, I mean, I think, like, honestly, as you said, like, with 
when it comes to the access journalism, it's like, it's kind of like an, uh, you know, an addictive pill, you know, he just like, he sees the opportunity to signal, um, you know, to AOC or the AOC staffers, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm on your side, guys. Like, you see, I just defend the AOC on Twitter. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a way of signaling thing. And then the other thing is, funny thing is, like, I just think of, like, um, you know, how the 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 conservatives or the right um, calls, like, the left or whatever, like, snowflakes. And I think, like, you know, that kind of attitude, like, you know, the ones of Ryan and the ones of, like, David of blocking people on Twitter, it just proves their point. Because it's like, okay, like, you know, if you if your arguments are on its merit, you don't need to be blocking people. Like, why why are you taking things so personal? Why are you being such a snowflake? You know, like, I don't think what you said about, like, David was, like, that impact. In fact, like, it's really funny because you actually platformed David, like, recently, because at least I'm, like, I'm a huge fan of yours. You know, I was watching, like, a lot of your content. I had completely forgot about, like, David. And then when you, like, made that whole segment and then you dropped the the bombshell of like guess who was right this whole time about Medicare for all and then you know like you make it seem like uh you know you're second guessing among like the online left and you drop like David's name and I was like, just like laughing out loud because I I really like he's so irrelevant and I have no idea how he has one million subscribers but um but uh but yeah you know like it's it's those kind of things that those kind of attitudes that in a way like proves the other side's point um and you know in the end you just know that like they're not really in for like a cause they're just in for themselves yeah um i you know it's it's i will say this like uh it's very different from what i used to watch left independent media and when i became a part of left independent media when i used to watch left independent media i thought you know all these people really wanted to fight for change in this country then when i became a part of left independent media i realized nope most of them just want to make money off of this and at the expense of working class people doesn't mean that they don't care about the issues. You can care about the issues and still just want to make money off of the shit. Like, let's just be real. I think for some people, it may not have started off that way. And then people started making a lot of money during Bernie Sanders campaigns. And I mean, a lot, a lot of money. Like someone like David Pakman, when he first started, for those who are not aware, uh, it was actually a radio show. It was a local radio show here in Massachusetts. I think he started working on it when he was at UMass. And he's been doing this for a long time. So he really did start from the bottom, right? But the problem is what people ran into is that people, some people started making a lot of money like in this space, like millions of dollars money in this space. But in order to keep that, it's like, you have to bend in a way of sorts so that sponsors will still take you, right? So David Pakman does have a lot of, he has sponsors. He advertises them on his show. Um, the algorithm will work with you. Because here's the thing. If I changed my content tomorrow and started praising Joe Biden, oh, the algorithm would love me. YouTube loves that right now. They, if you're you're down with Joe Biden, they love you. If I were on the right 
the algorithm would love me too. It's the people who are, I would say, left of Bernie Sanders and the progressives who are not telling you or who are telling you still saying Joe Biden's doing a good job. Even some of the ones that push Bernie Sanders, if they're saying, well, Joe Biden did this, this is great. Joe Biden did that, this is great. But they'll still criticize him a little bit. Or the people who are part of the corporate algorithm. And TYT, for example, is on the corporate algorithm. Uh, the Hill Rising is on the corporate algorithm. So I think that once some people started to see just how much money they could make with this, then it became a matter of not wanting to give up that lifestyle. Because once you start to make a certain amount of money, you can afford to live a certain type of way. That's just the reality of the game. And it's what just that made... Go ahead, Roger. Nah, it's just like what Cameron said when he got into the rap game. Idols become rivals. Mm-hmm. And this is why some people are so heavily uh, frustrated with Jimmy Dore and with RBN, to be honest with you. Because see, more so with Jimmy Dore though, because Jimmy Dore has a large platform and he was a part of that Bernie coalition, but he saw the writing on the wall and was like, yeah, this shit ain't working out. <laughs> this is not gonna work. People didn't like that because that messes up money for them. Especially when Jimmy's channel broke 1 million, right? That messes up things for them. And then on top of that, yeah, economically, Jimmy, same level as them, but that also makes you look bad if you have someone who is making that type of income, but they're still calling out the corruption but they're also calling out the corruption that they see with the progressives too, that they played everybody. So if you're on the other side and you still believe in pushing this strategy, then people start looking at you some kind of way. He's off code for the wealth class. He's a, he's a, he's a, what's he, what do you call him? A betrayer to the wealth uh, class trader. Yeah, that's what you guys call him. He's a class trader. That's what it is. It's like, yo man, shut up. <laughs> Chill. You're supposed to be yeah. down with us. Shut up. You're, you're ruining. You're ruining the plan. Or saying the quiet part out loud. And you're right. Roger's right when he says you're ruining the plan. Yeah, it messes up some people's gravy train. Like I'm just gonna be honest with you. So then what happens? People have to try to find other ways to continue that train. And this is something that Keaton from Dudison has said a while back. He was 100% spot on about this. This is where Marianne Williamson comes in because a lot of those channels grew during Bernie Sanders campaign. Now, Bernie Sanders, obviously now running the third time in a row. How do you fix that? You get someone else to sit in Bernie's seat to do that job. Problem is with Marianne, people are not as excited and enthusiastic about her as, as they are Bernie Sanders. That's, that's just a reality, right? But the other thing is, is that Bernie Sanders actually got to that point where if the DNC was actually fair, he actually would have won the nomination. Mayor, we all know Marianne is not going to get to that point. So then you have to ask, so then why are people pushing her then? Because like I said, 
There's money to be made there. Look what happened to secular talk. Kyle Kalinske just got over, what, a million subs, right? Marianne Williamson got him there. If there was no one else to take up the Bernie reins in this progressive movement and have that progressive candidate run for president, Kyle would still be sitting under one million. It was Marianne Williamson that helped him get to that point, and Keaton was spot on about pointing that out. I was gonna yeah, say. but it, 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 it was also his fiance that carried him close to the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say that, like in the end, when it push comes to shove, like you know, they just they have just become content generators. They're just looking to generate whatever content gives them the most like clicks and revenues. Um, I'm just thinking that, you know, when he, the, the real, like, uh, you know, watershed moment was the fourth of the vote in 2020 and in which, you know, like you had to stand up for something, you know, like alone, a policy, not a candidate, you know, like, as you said, as you laid out on Bernie's, Bernie's like, you know, was kind of like the force that brought a lot of these people to like, whatever they are right now. But when it comes to like demonstrating something like a belief in idea project, like that's where they show the true colors. And I think right now, as you said as well with Marianne, like, you know, just thinking of like this, like a mean girls, like moment, like, you know, like making fetch happen. Like, you know, she's like being, <laughs> that was being Rachel, you know, she's trying to make Marianne happen. Like it won't just happen, you know, like get it, Kyle, like, and it's, it was so pathetic to see that segment that he did of, like, somehow, like, Marianne's following on Bernie's step by the by these, like, random polls numbers in which, like, Marianne is finally scoring 10% or something, like, like really, like, is that something, how, how needy are you, like, how much do you want that money to take uh, Crystal, like, on some, like, random vacation on this summer, you know, for you to, like, you know, um, try to propose Marianne, like, you know, shove it down our throats. Um, um, in the end, I just, I just feel like the whole state of like, uh, you know, uh, advocacy and, 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 you know, like, you know, the online left, like trying to, you know, show us something or like fight for something. It's, it's just gone. Like, you know, I, I, I think like Trump is now like, also giving them this another reason, this more fuel for them to like come come at us and try to say again, you know, the same thing, like trying to generate some content like for us to buy. Um, but, you know, I think like RBN and Jimmy Dore has kind of like, you know, are there as well. Like, so we, we have that reference. So like, I don't think many of us will fall for that again. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for that, Edu. Listen, guys, before the next person comes in, I have an appointment in the morning, so I'm going to have to check out early tonight. Um, it was real. And good night. Thank you so much, Noel. Uh, thank you, Sabrina. Okay, let's go ahead and bring in David. What's going on, David? You just have to unmute. There you go. Hey, Steph. Hey, Steph. How are you? Doing great. How are you? What's your take on all of this? Oh my God! I don't know. I well, let's see. Well, neither of those people, neither of the presidential candidates, are going to be my are going to be my God. But the 
it's got, uh, I think that, yeah, yeah, it's going to both, like, this is just going to make him uh, more, I mean, it may, he may, he may get taken down before the election, but then that'll lead to the, the kind of, the lead to the situation that, that Jimmy, Jimmy Gore and others were talking, you know, that we could see, uh, you know, three, four years, a long time ago with a, a more competent uh, autocrat, like, like Noel said, being the, being the candidate. So, I mean, not just the candidate, but the winner, <laughs> the Republican winner of the election. So, yeah, I hope that doesn't happen, but. Yeah, do you think this is more of a, this actually helps Donald Trump or hurts Donald Trump? I think it helps him. I mean, for the moment, it, help, it helps him for the moment. It depends on what what happens with all the other charges that are related to violating government, you know, violating government trust, uh, uh, like buying and selling, like money violations related to office, I think is some of the other stuff, uh, which carry heavy penalties. Uh, it depends if Noel, like, I think Noel thinks maybe he'll have some, he might get sent to jail or have some trouble with those charges. I'm not, I don't know how to call that because I haven't looked at, I haven't, I saw them when they came in. I looked at it a little bit, but I don't, I haven't, you know, looked into trying to figure out whether those charges would stick or not. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to stick or not either. I mean, again, we all know that he has, he has a lot of money to have like the best lawyers. Like this isn't the first time, by the way, Trump has had like financial court troubles. Just FYI, mm. this has happened to him before. So um, I think this time it is a bigger deal because last time he wasn't president of the United States before. So I agree. And the fact that they've allowed it to get, normally they don't allow, like lots of presidents have faced, I mean, all the, all the former U.S. presidents are war, are war criminals. Uh, lots of them have faced, they've done things in office that were normally would be criminal charges with possibly years, jail time. And they haven't, you know, they've been able to prevent that from happening. So now this is happening to him. I think the, you know, the, 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 the liberal deep state plus a lot of, like a lot of business interests, they do not, like you said, like you laid out earlier and other, and others have done sort, you know, sort of, you, you laid out some of the good points where, where they don't want, they don't want, uh, they don't want Trump to be able to be a credible run for the presidency. And, you know, there's some other issues there. Me, I like, I, I don't want him to either. I was like, what the fuck when they got him the, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not against Trump voters. I'm not against, against people. I'm not against, yeah, but I, 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 I was hoping that when they came after him before around the other violations in the impeachment, that they would try to make sure they couldn't run for office again. That's, that's what I, that, that was my hope. Cause I really don't like, I really think he's, I think he's dangerous, but, you know, the fact of the matter is the duopoly just uses each candidate in his, in his turn. It's not like the Grover Cleveland time, or the Warren Harding time, the teapot scandal or the, you know, he faced charges at that time, that president in the 20s and or Herbert Hoover. It's not like that because the news, the Overton window that Eric loves pointing out and the news cycle is so fast right now. It's like rap, it's rapid fire. So you can't. Even like the four-year idea of a four-year presidency doesn't really even exist in the way it used to because of the way politics is like the fast company way politics has shifted. And then you have you know the oceans are about to flood. There's other things that are going to interrupt the U.S. empire, 
and also like normal people, normal <laughs> normal people that are concerned about their communities and like spirit strength should not. I'll, I'll wind up here. Should not should not be concerned about the presidential election first, or, or like even. I mean, you should spend some time on it, but you shouldn't. It, it's not that important. Who's um, like Utah Utah Phillips, that protest singer said. It's not the, you know, help the bums in the street. Don't worry about the bum on the plush. Help the mm-hmm. something, something. You know, that, you know, it doesn't matter who's, pre- it, it does matter, but in a sense it doesn't matter. Because if you, if you say that it matters, then you're pumping up the electoral hierarchy yourself in some ways. I, I'm not, I'm not talking about covering it, but just if you put energy into voting for it, that's all I'm saying. Put energy into voting for ballot initiatives. How about that? <laughs> I mean, what you said is not. I, I didn't. Add, I barely added anything to what Savvy just said. So I'm trying to come up with some. I mean, what, what, what do I have that's 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 like novel on uh, on Trump? I mean, I would say that he's he these charges go back a while. I mean, they've been trying to. He was initially charged during his presidency with these things. Some of some of these charges, like you know, they were trying to get him on these things like six, seven years ago. So, you know, we could see it coming. The writing on, was on the wall for a long time. So uh, here's here's what I'd say: it's now a political struggle. Meaning, his followers are actually they are actually going to do violent. I mean, as he goes down, there's going to be there's going to be in the street type violent. You know, if not like organized, really thousands and thousands of people doing things. There's going to be there's going to be a political struggle that's more intense than we've seen in our lifetimes around but certainly this election, but a lot, a fucking lot of other things between now and 2024. So you get ready for like real, you know, what we, you know, what you see in other countries, like, or what the civil rights protesters experienced in the 60s and 70s, get ready for real political conflict in the United States. So, you know, meaning the followers of the person will, fight, you know, in the streets somewhat and around seats of government, like when they occupied the state house, you know, when those guys with guns came into the Michigan state house, came into the Kentucky state house, it's going to be like that, except like 10 times as much as that. And like all, you know, so there's going to be some, there's going to be some aspect of like Noel said, alluded to, uh, of there's going to be some aspect of political uprisings and fighting between the, the, you know, sort of the two sides in a way. So that's that's part of it, I think. Yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of that type of behavior, by the way. No, the state house occupations. I mean, that happened. When that that when was that that happened? That was that was uh was the twenty twenty election around the twenty twenty election was too. Yeah, but I know yeah. that some people some people feel like after you know Trump lost that that type of behavior wouldn't happen again. I actually disagree with that. I think. I don't think we've seen the last of that because again, like I said, economically based on, based on statistics and financial models, economically things will get worse in the United States at some point or another. And that's what I'm saying. Like when I talk about like the class war and we all need to come together, this is something people could be working on right now. And it's hard though. Cause I talked to Christian um, Parenti about this and Christian Parenti said that, uh, the problem is like you have to have class consciousness and the majority of people in America don't have that. Um, Glenn Greenwald explained to me that in order to have those kind of class movements, 
people have to have totally lost face faith in the political system. And we're not at that point yet. So it's, it's a factor of, of waking a lot of people up because yeah, I think some people have lost, lost faith in the political system, but I don't think it's enough people that have lost faith in the political system. And they realize that like the only way things are going to change is if we have this mass movement. Right. So that's why I say, I don't think we've seen the last of that. Even when we talk about what happened January 6th, I don't think we've seen the last of that either. I really do believe there is going to come a time in this country where economically things are going to be so awful that I don't know if it happened in our lifetime, but that at some point, what you saw on January 6th is going to look mild. Put it that way. You know what I think? It's going to take us the reason I think the reason why we're broken up is because um business where we don't see ourselves as workers we see ourselves as consumers so we're always looking for the better deal we're always looking so there is no working class solidarity because of that because we're seeing ourselves as from a perspective of consumption you understand what I'm saying? So head to your drop off at Terminal Four. So that's, I mean, I went to someone. Hey, how you doing, sir? Yeah. So good. I saw someone who um who said they love Amazon. You know what I mean? Because of the service that they give, and I tried to explain to her how they treat their workers there, and it kind of went over her head. So that's. Uh oh. Oh, I think I don't know what happened to Roger. I guess he had to mute. Oh, do we? I hope we didn't. Do we lose Roger? Yeah. We we could have lost him. Maybe he hit like a, maybe he hit like a dead spot. No, no. I said I was going on mute. I don't. I don't know if you heard it. Oh, okay. Said, but oh, okay. Sorry. Did you hear? Um, I did hear what you said. Like that's a good point though, because I I remember like when the Amazon workers were on strike. This was right before I left BU. And I remember I was telling like uh, one of my coworkers about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm not ordering from Amazon because yada, yada, yada. And I told her about like what was happening with the workers there. And to what Roger just said, how he said like it went over this person's head. It really, same thing. It went completely over her head. Like she mm-hmm. didn't even, oh. to be honest with you, it was like she didn't even care. And she was just like, well, whatever. I love Amazon. I'm going to continue to order from Amazon. It's just like. No solidarity for the workers or anything like that at all. It's a, yeah, it's, it, you're right. Yeah, that does happen. And to get past that, you have to, to get past that, it's like uh, thinking about how to talk to each person about the potential, you know, I, I tried to do a, I tried to organize a boycott. So I sent out an email, a couple emails to some, at that time to, to meet some like labor, people that labor sort of employed by union, labor, bureaucracy but also like and some other people i knew to a bunch of people trying to get a boycott you know i was trying to get the biggest boycott we could of amazon they wrote up like a sensible boycott sort of statement and tried to get that going and you know at least i reached like 20 you know i confirmed that like 20 people i knew were were at least going to do two like some people that were non-political that convinced them to do like at least a three to seven day be a week boycott of Amazon at that time, when you know when that strike happened, but 
it's boycotts are very hard to do. Uh, it has to, if people don't, it, boycotts are difficult. Boycotts are difficult because, you know, the way supply chains are set up, people are wedded to their, it sucks. I mean, people need to get more principled. I mean, people, some people will say, I mean, there are some people that they need, you know, I, I don't know. I, I wish people would uh, not, like, for example, you have to move away from Amazon Prime. Like, don't, don't think you need things in two days cheaply and that for that reason, therefore, you have to have Amazon Prime. Because when you use Amazon, you fuck over the whole workforce of the United States. And you also, not only that, you prevent the reorganization of those small business from taking off and the reorganization of the supply chains from the where even from the Amazon workers, even like on, in the most tepid, like weak, like being able to organize to get $2 more, two or $4 more an hour in their hell, like the hell hole of the, of the Amazon, you know, warehouse line there. So don't fucking order from Amazon Prime. Don't, you know, people need to be boycotting Amazon, right? Actually, who, who am I kidding? Let me turn this into a, a speech, you know, one more sentence. People should be boycotting Amazon. Right now, I mean, at least in tandem with what the, what the people trying to unionize it want, want people to do. They should be, they really should be boycotting it anyway, because the, you know, that hits, it doesn't hit the workers. It hits the, it hits the company much more. I mean, that would be my, like, hot take. I'd have to talk to the workers to, to see what to they want. And yeah. to be fair, in reference to the workers, Amazon already announced they're laying off like thousands and thousands of workers anyway. And we yeah, so it's, they had the initial right ten, now. yeah, the initial eleven, ten or twelve thousand. Now they have another initial nineteen thousand, and then they have, now they have another ten. You know, same amount. I think about thirty thousand workers are being laid off now in the last couple of months. And that's right. That's so, the thing. Yeah, that's the but thing. The, we have. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The other problem that you run into with Amazon is that Amazon owns other companies. So even yes. if you say, I'm going to boycott Amazon and I'm not going to buy from Amazon, you still may be buying from Amazon without realizing you're buying from Amazon because they own other things now. And that's why it should have never gotten to this point where Amazon oh. was able to buy Whole Foods for it. You can't have all, you can't have a country where the federal law is fa is economically fascist, and all the warehouses are owned by one one company, and all the, the all the Walmart, all this, all the you know department store, utility store, you know uh, buy 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 anything stores are owned by you know are owned by one company. So what the? I mean, are people crazy? Why? Do, I mean, do, do people even know? Like, why do why do people think? They're only getting fucking 15 bucks an hour at work. Oh you, oh, you didn't, you know, you allowed every aspect of Monopoly and never struck and never did, you know, never like, you know, I don't blame the poorest people that have been, you know, I don't, I'm not blaming people for, you know, taking two jobs at 12 bucks an hour in each, you know, wherever they are, you know, two jobs to make ends meet. I'm saying that's good. I mean, that they're, that the people are strong. If you're strong enough to work, Two Walmart type jobs, twelve bucks an hour for fifty, sixty hours a week. You're strong enough to carry out a fucking one month strike to, you know, turn over the government a bit in your area. I mean, come on, it's some it's some fucking balls, guys. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, because no. it's it's gotten to the point where now there are some towns in this country 
where Amazon is the only employer in town, an Amazon warehouse. Because once it got to the point, once it got to the point where Amazon started selling clothes and they bought Whole Foods, I was like, this is this is going to be a wrap because I started to see retail stores close one after another in the malls, the mall in uh, the Cambridge Side Galleria, for example. Yeah. If you go up to the third. This was a, a full there, mall. And there are three times in the last month. So yeah. This was a this was a three story mall. Now, if you go up to the third floor. All the stores on the third floor are gone. And that is because of companies like Amazon. They started selling those clothes. I mean, if you can buy those clothes on Amazon and you can get all that stuff online, then it's like the retailer, the brick and mortar is actually going to suffer. And this is a big part of the problem. So they've put other businesses out of business and it's gotten to the point where now, depending on where you live in this country, some of these towns, the only employer that they have in town is an Amazon warehouse. I've seen some of these towns in South Carolina. When I go to visit my parents, it's like everybody in the town works for Amazon warehouse because they bought everybody out. And that says something too, to those other company owners don't sell your company to fucking Amazon. I don't care how much they offer you. And that's the thing. Whole Foods should have never sold to Amazon. You know, like, why would you do that? Yeah, and they bought Whole Foods. They bought, I don't want to sound neurotic. They bought Whole Foods. They also just bought one medical. I mean, uh, I think it was, no, it was, uh, wasn't it? Was Am- yes, it was Bezos, that piece of shit, uh, motherfucker. Uh, they bought one medical. But they're going into Met now. They bought the leading, the quote, leading telehealth, or it's not even the leading. It's a, it's a telehealth company. It was found, I mean, I, I know the C, I researched it now because they bought it for 3.4 billion. But they are the ones that are, it's the distributed, it's a telehealth company that has the most connection to like the, the med, the medical insurance spaces that regulate the most people and poor people and different people. Amazon just bought one medical. 3.4 billion so now they're going into the you know now now amazon is getting into the medical insurance business right, now they're in uh, how, how nice is that nice to see does any fucking government official in the united states have any balls at all will they do anything are they going to do are they going to exert any form of law power over these corporations they're just going to bend over for the rest of their lives what the fuck they're so, you know, here's my Jimmy Dore, you know, what the fuck are they doing? I mean, I have no respect for the Massachusetts State Legislature. I have no respect for the town hall gatherings around here. Fuck you. What the fuck? I'm going to go in there like like the guy in Network or like, you know, Jesus going into the temple. That's how, that's how I'm going to go in there next time I go in there. So, yeah. Well, one of the things that Jimmy Dore says is about our government is he says, you know, they're not like some people think they're they're a little bit corrupt, you know, or or some of it. And it's no, they're they're 100 percent corrupt and and bought and paid for. And so, you know, to me, like when you were talking about, yeah, we need strikes, we need direct actions, but you can't have strikes, direct actions without what? without demands. I mean, you got to have at the core an analysis of what the real problems are, what the core problems are. And then from there, that guides what your demands are. What are the things to fix it? That's right. That's right. It was something like the, with covering Trump and all this stuff. I I think it's fine. It's good. 
you know, it has to be covered and talked about. But I think it's a mistake. I think we miss a real opportunity here on the real left if we cover these things. Or after we cover these things, we need to pivot to then saying, you know, yeah, they're going after Trump and it's all this. But, of course, we know as real leftists, it doesn't really matter in terms of the whole system, whether Trump's in power or it's Biden or it's Harris or DeSantis. Some of them are terrible in one these ways and some of them terrible the other ways. The, the problems are systemic. The problem is they're all bought and paid for. They're all work. They don't represent us. They represent their donor owners. And what do we do about that? That, that I feel like is what is where our conversations need to land. And I, I, I just feel like a lot of these coverages and conversations don't end up there. Like we don't like, like we'll have a whole talk and a whole coverage of these things and we'll never say the word billionaire. I mean, that's right. Right. Problem. So you have to, so like, that's one thing that was good about Bernie Sanders around about, not about Bernie Sanders himself, but about the movements around them. People In were saying days, things like yeah. they were specifically saying like, okay, billion, you know, billionaires should billionaires. not exist or like, and I could say that on demands, you could say, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it. You know, if you guys want to say other things, but you know, on demands. Yeah. I mean, you want to, you want to have demands that are want to have fluidity, demand, you know, not fluidity, but with the demands, but you want to have, you want to have good demands and then you want to think about how you're going to react when they react to your demand. The problem is the movements are not, the government is not, even when people, like when Lucy goes and interrupts AOC, like, you know, Lucy goes and interrupts AOC with Roger, that's covered, but only it's not like, what I'm saying is the people are and government are not together in the same spaces. And an example of that would be when, when Lucy and Roger interrupt her, it was so unusual for Lucy to do that with Roger and the other things Roger did that that made, you know, that made the rising and a lot of, and even distributed mainstream media news, right? That, that story, because that was so unusual that someone would confront. When do we get to the point where it was so unusual for a congressperson to speak to concerned constituent at a town hall remember i mean in the 19th century they would they'd like go onto the stage like pick up the politician and like throw take the politician to the jail if he does something wrong or like you know people would be fighting on the floor of the of the senate and uh, i'm not saying the 19th century is good i'm just saying people people were actually politicians and the people were actually in the same rooms so you could have fist fights. You could have, you could have a fair one to work. I'm just, I'm kidding, right? You could have a fair one to work it out, work out the problem, you know, the problem. You could, they were talking to each other. Now people are, we have a surveillance state and the human beings underneath the surveillance are not talking to each other, right? So yeah, I'll, I think a big I'll leave part it at of that. The problem is even when you look at the videos where politicians are being confronted, I think a big part of the problem is even those videos are not reaching enough people like they should. Now, there's been one or two that broke through to mainstream media, but for the most part, it's not reaching the masses like it should. And and people aren't realizing like just how often people are doing it. Like those confrontation videos are happening. I think I see one from Jose and his friends probably one every other week. They're happening more often than people realize, but the the problem you run into is again, like it can't just be people like me 
who are covering it. It can't just be RBN covering it. It can't just be like no, those of no. us who are smaller. The problem is, with the exception of Jimmy Dore, most of the larger channels are not covering it. And the one time I saw them cover it, which was in reference to AOC, they covered it in a negative way. Kyle Kalinske covered this in a negative way. Uh, Robbie from Rising, Robbie and Batya covered it in a negative way. And neither one of those channels brought Lucy on to talk about it. I brought Lucy on to talk about it. So the thing is, the the larger platforms that have the audience where this message could reach the masses and it could mobilize more people, when they do discuss it, they make it seem like the protester is the one who's in the wrong because they don't want to disrupt their own financial wealth, which includes them backing those politicians and still trying to play nice with people in D.C. And that's what people have to really grasp about all of this because some of us like we're just one person and our reach is not as far and wide as others but for those who do have that far wide reach they are actually hurting the cause because they are telling more people if you have like 900,000 subs or a million subs and all those people are listening to what you have to say, those are people that could be organizing with us for some type of class movement and solidarity, but they, they're not going to because they have already been told by the person that they watch that this is not the thing to do and that it's rude and you need to be nice to these people. This yeah, is how so, far yeah. gone, this is how far gone the progressive movement has, has become. Like there's yeah. nothing, there's no, there's no grit to it anymore. The grit no. is gone. The whole idea, some of the things I used to listen to these hosts say a couple years ago, we got to get out there and fight. We got to get out there and protest. And yeah, we should do this and do that. I don't hear them say any of those things anymore. They have completely, for the most part, they'll push on some progressive issues, but for the most part, they are in the same status quo as the people in DC and those people don't want to disrupt their wealth. So just because you call out people financially, if you still going along with the same system that enables those billionaires to do what they do, just so that you can continue your gravy train, that's a big part of the problem. Total, uh, yeah, completely agree, Savvy. Uh, okay, David, David, thank you so much. I want to make sure I get to Melody because yeah. she's been waiting for a while. Yeah, take care, guys. Thank you. Yeah, it is. All right. Oh, I'm trying to bring in. Okay, here we go. All right, Melody, you are on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hello. Hello, how are you? Pretty good. Oh, this is my first time on here. This is great. Um, So... Gosh, I can touch on everything that everybody's been talking about, but um, I think that the whole Trump thing is just a big distraction. It just honestly, like, it does not even really matter what happens to him. If they want to put him in jail. They don't even really have to have a reason. I mean, look at what they did to Stephen Donzinger, you know, and Julian Assange. They'll, they'll put him in there, get him out of the way. And then they also, like, release this 500-page... Um, document thing on opposition research for DeSantis. So I think they're just trying to get those people out of the way, you know, 
anything that's going to interfere with Biden staying in uh, the seat. Because uh, I don't think Biden wants to leave the seat because he's he needs to protect his family from all the Ukraine corruption stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So we go from yeah. one corrupt president to another one. Yeah, it's just, you know, and this whole this whole thing, they're going so hard on this Ukraine thing is because, you know, all the the bio labs over there and everything that they've got going on over there. And, um, you know, they impeached Trump because they're he wanted to investigate what was going on over there. You know, uh, it, it just it's it's all bad. But I think the real thing that we should be paying attention to is um, the monetary situation because uh we are in big trouble with this whole um currency situation and the petrodollar going away i don't think people really realize how serious this is and it would be a really good opportunity for us to re redo the whole thing because the bankers have had you know have been in charge since the beginning of it you know and look at where it's gotten us and it's just like, uh, uh, you know, a crash every seven years. And then we're, we're going to be in a, like a really bad situation. And it would be a good opportunity to redo the whole entire monetary system to where, um, you know, we had more control over our destiny here. But the same people who are responsible for this are going to be the same people who are going to bring in that you know, CBDC, and it's really scary to me. Yeah, these are all, these are all really good points, Melody. I think, you know, for me, you know, when for I me, look, when at, I look like, at like uh, China and Brazil deciding, you know what, maybe we, you know need, what, maybe to we need to remove, remove the U.S. The US dollar. dollar. Yeah. It's in their best. I kind of feel like it almost feels like, like in a way like, like their, their hand was forced. Yeah. Sorry, I think um <laughs> Oh Melody, I think you have an echo. I do. Okay, oh, it's gone. Oh, okay. Uh, Roger, I think you Okay. Um I totally see your point about, about it being a distraction. I also, I also think, think that, that I think it I makes, think it makes us a long stop, stop to, the to the rest of the world. Oh yeah. I think I think we've been looking really bad. I think that this has been kind of a thing in motion with um with uh you know um China and Russia. I think that they've had this plan going in motion you know they're long-term planners they're this is going to be the way it's going to be for the next hundred years um and, uh you know we've had you know the last few administrations like you know trump can't even like complete a sentence without making some sort of sound effect we've got biden that's got like dementia i mean we've been looking effed up and you know this whole Thing with the Restrict Act is very worrying to me. This is a big, um, this is a big deal. Like, with, you know, they're saying it's about TikTok or whatever, blah, 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 you know, China, 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 but nobody seems to remember that, um, you know, Elaine Chow was the Secretary of Transportation, Mitch McConnell's wife. 
her um family has like a shipping company that's you know uh chinese um and her sister works for the bank of china you know and she was in our administration so we have a lot of stuff going on and nobody says anything about that you know so everything's like made to benefit these people and they're going to be in charge of redoing our system and this restrict act is going to make opposition to this extremely difficult and it's just it's not good it you know um i mean it just this is really going to be more than a rocky time i think and i think we need to like really organize with our communities and like decentralize kind of you know how russell brand talks about like small little communities and like you know co-ops and stuff like that because we need to like make a different way to be able to help each other and um i think it's really important for us to like talk to our neighbors and make friends and uh you know in our in our cities and and get involved in local like politics like um your uh you know commissioners your you know things like that because if we start from those little things we can block bad things from ha- happening in our communities you know what i mean um instead of trying to go big i mean i live in oregon so we do we do a lot of ballot initiatives over here and um oh and i'm i have ohp which is oregon health plan which is like the public uh thing um and they have you know they we can get acupuncture we can go to the chiropractor with that so it's actually really good to, um to have that and i'd like to see you know other states be able to have that too so you know the um lady earlier was talking about you know medical freedom and stuff and um yeah definitely it's cool to be able to have like a doula and have organ health and pay for it it is a possibility um you know to do that it's actually pretty good healthcare but you have to like really be what about what about pushing for Oregon uh, single payer um well you know i think the majority of people in Oregon are on Oregon health plan i think um you know people who are you know have money they have the like my mom she um she's on medicare now but you know she used to have to pay for a uh, private health insurance cuz she was on that like cusp where you know she just made too much to get you know uh, organ health plan but like not enough to really get insurance so she got like some aflag deal or whatever but now she's on medicaid but you know um Yeah, I I would totally go for a whole entire I, I they might as well because so many people are on organ health plan like it's what what's at, wrong with adding another, you know, few people. But the thing is is that our healthcare system over here is very overwhelmed especially like the mental health uh thing like if you want to get an appointment with like a counselor or anything um t- good luck. You're like six months out and then you feel like you're rushed through the thing like you have like a half an hour to talk to people so we have um a need for more people with that kind of uh training and, or you know that kind of experience i think a lot of people quit cuz they get burnt out cuz there's like you know uh so many people that help and i need to do it now so we're going to get a Oregon uh single payer ballot initiative <laughs> yeah, I you know there's a couple of ballot initiatives I'd like to, you know, start. Um, <laughs> I just don't know where to start. <laughs> so, 
I definitely uh, would be for that if somebody wants to, you know, help me do that or um, my focus really is on um, reentry people that, you know, have gotten in trouble. And I really would like to have more programs and opportunities for people like that, because um, I think a lot of the thing is, is that, you know, people get out of prison and then they have this record and uh, it's really hard for them to, uh, you know, partake in the, you know, like things you can't find a place to live um you know because they're your record then some jobs don't hire you and um there needs to be like more programs for that and i'd like to see um people's records get expunged after a certain amount of time for certain types of charges um because uh you know if you do what you do it's like you can never get out of the hole i've had that experience myself and um it's really frustrating and it makes people go back because it's like they can't be successful. So I'd like to, you know, um, start something with that. It's just, it's really, it's really hard to get ahead that way, you know, and then you end up going back again, you get out and it's a cycle and it's awful. Um, I think it'd just be an overall healthier society if, um, we could reintroduce people into society. They can, you know, do a jobs training program and just let their past be their past, you know. Um, a lot of people end up on the street again after they get out just because, you know, what's the point, you know? Yeah, they end up right back in that same situation because they're not given resources. Yeah. And it's, uh, you, you know, you've done your time, you, you know, you go in there, you get clean, you get educated. You can, you know, a lot of people do the, uh, you know, the thing with the eyeglasses. They have a lot of people that come out with that licensing, but you know, there's not really a market for like a million people to do that, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, but you know, they come out and they're happy, they're clean, they're clear headed, they want to work and do this, and then they just get shut down, shut down. And then they can't just go get an apartment because, you know, it takes a long time to build your credit back up because you probably ruined it, you know, from, you know, your addiction problems or whatever problems you had. So then you have bad credit and then you end up living in a place where you got sick in the first place and then it's just, you know, there's not enough um, programs or organizations to like help people in reentry, and that's like a big, uh, I guess you want to call it like a passion of mine, just because like I, I feel like so much of what we see out there on street is 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 that, you know, they just can't get a leg up. Nobody wants to give them a chance, and then they get discouraged and they just go back to what they know. So it's it's really sad and it's it's difficult and there's been many times um and uh it's, it's, I just want to help people you know out of that situation you know Wait, well thank you, thank you so much um thank you so much Melody oh yeah it was this is great I really um like how you talk to your you know, fans or subscribers and not, I think that's really awesome uh, interacting like that. And I think it's a good way to build community and uh, get some ideas out there. I uh, thank you. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Okay. We're going to bring in Brady. Brady, you're going to be the last caller. Cause I, I do have to, I have Jim in the morning, but what's up Brady. What's up? I am a little afraid that this is potentially going to make Donald even stronger and 
more of a hero figure than he already was. And of course, we've probably already talked about that. And so as a solution to that potential issue, I'd like to offer some serious dirt on Donald Trump. And that is his mentor, Roy Cohn, who people might not be familiar with. But Donald Trump had a mentor growing up named Roy Cohn, who's this ruthless kind of mob lawyer dude. What he did was he trafficked young boys for J. Edgar Hoover. And there's a witness testimony of Roy Cohn and J. Edgar Hoover engaging in creepy activities with young men at these parties that went on. I'm uh, sorry, Whitney Webb's what? book. Yup. Um, Whitney Webb's book highlights all of this in her third chapter, the second chapter, maybe maybe the second or third chapter of uh, the first uh, part of One Nation Under Blackmail. Right in the beginning of that first book, she goes over how Donald Trump's mentor and I posted some links in the chat. You can check these links. Uh, here's a link to Whitney Webb's article on this exact subject. It's the Unlimited Hangout article. I'm dropping it again right there. And so there's a little background for um, Roy Cohn and his relationship with Donald Trump. And you can see how close they are and how influential Roy Cohn was in the rise of Donald Trump. And what I would offer to people that while Donald Trump is a noticeable idiot and so is Joe Biden, they're what we call dog kings. And these are leadership that are provided to a mass of people as a way to demoralize them, to just kind of show them how much they've lost control of their system. And um, I would offer the, the, the people behind the scenes who are orchestrating people like Donald Trump are actually very intelligent, highly intelligent Um they're artificially intelligent now. They're digitally intelligent, um, which is beyond anything we're capable of at this point. I mean, and so I would point again, if, if Donald Trump wants to complain about election fraud, he needs to talk about what happened with Bernie Sanders first, because that means that he's going to have to debate Bernie Sanders, and like do it all over again, because that was where the real election meddling took place and something that he never likes to bring up very often. Um, that's a good point. But that's just one one solution. And another solution to something like a general strike or to make boycotting easier would be to have a mutual aid network of our universal basic necessities, like water being at the top of it, clean water, fresh water for, you know, showering, doing your dishes, all that stuff. And then pure drinking water as well, completely provided for free for everyone, enough for them, their gardens and everything else. The second thing being free, organic, safe, healthy food for everyone free housing for everyone, free electricity for everyone, free communications for everyone. At that point, we can knock out those like five things. That's a solid network of universal basic needs that we could, I mean, a strike or boycott would be like a vacation at that point. We just oh, I'm going to spend some time at home. I'm not going to go to work. You know, I don't agree to this. You know, I think we honestly can provide each other that very basic kind of five pointed, um, universal basic need mutual aid network ourselves completely outside of government within like six months if we really wanted to like i just myself this year i got like 300 moringa trees growing in my front yard right now like i got enough to feed the whole neighborhood right now and at least my whole street you know if something bad goes down and i know everyone in america not everyone in america but most people in america can grow one tree in their house and like stuff like that there's, there's so many things we could be doing and um we need to organize that network somehow. I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's someone else. Uh, it needs to happen. Like I'm down to make it happen. Do you know of anyone who's doing anything like that? Like 
It's just like, yo, here are the five top things we need. Like, this is what we need to like survive. After this, we can worry about making things right, you know. And just are there any like scientific, logical thinkers who are putting together plenty college students, anybody who's running for office? Like, it seems like there's a massive lack of imagination and just kind of nepotist, not nepotistic, but nihilistic kind of vibe going around. I don't dig it. <laughs> I think we need a psychedelic renaissance. This. Interesting. Well, Brady, thank you so much, guys. I am going to head out, you guys. I do have gym appointment early in the morning. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I'll see you guys. I'll be back live on YouTube Thursday night. Um, I actually do have a guest coming on in the beginning to talk about the, the action for the New York Health Act uh, that's coming up this weekend. So and of course, news stories. And then Friday, Jill Stein will be here and Nico House will also be here. Nico's going to come on after Jill Stein. So Friday's show should be pretty lit. <laughs> Jill Stein and Nico on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but guys, get ready Always to have good. some fun. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. But other than that, have a good night. Thanks so much for tuning in. Good night.